Now, what is so good about today? It's interesting that we call it Good Friday, whereas if you're coming in for the first time and you see the little video about what Jesus went through and you hear what Graham talked about and the song at the beginning that talks about how Jesus was treated, it's very easy to sort of go, why do we call it Good Friday? Because from my view, there's nothing good about it, right? If you look at how Jesus was treated, if you look at what happened to him, it's just sort of a, a bit of a wonder as to why we call it Good Friday. And in fact, if you look at the story of Good Friday, you'll realize that the elements that are contained within the story are really, really tragic. There's some things that we fear as humans, and they seem to all be present within this story of Jesus being falsely accused, sent to die a death that he didn't deserve. And along the way to that death, he also had uh, public scrutiny. He was also beaten up. There were so many things that were happening. There's things that we fear as, as humans that are present there. Things like death, betrayal, failure, injustice, suffering, and heartbreak. And this Good Friday story seems to have each of those elements in it. It has death. Jesus dies on Good Friday. And it's a little bit worse than that because he knew that it was coming. He knew what was about to happen. We all are aware that we're mortal, but Jesus went into it knowing exactly what was going to go on. There's the sense of betrayal. As Jesus was um, having a meal with his closest followers, one of the people who had journeyed with Jesus for three years, who said that he loved Jesus, who said that he was with Jesus, decided that night to walk away from the Jesus movement and go and hand Jesus over to the authorities and betray Jesus for some profit. There's also the fact that later on in the story, he was betrayed by the people who could have released him. When they went before, Pilate went before the crowd and said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to release Jesus or you want to release someone else? The crowd could have turned around in that moment and said, we love Jesus. We want Jesus released. But that's not what happened. They chose that he face what a criminal should face. It's interesting. In the story, there's also failure. We don't think about this one as much. But if you put yourselves in the perspective of someone who's following Jesus at the time, you think you're onto a good thing. Jesus is healing. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is causing everyone to review God in a new way, in a helpful way. And then all of a sudden, he dies. And there's almost a moment there where if you're following, the movement is dead. It isn't happening anymore. And everyone's probably looking at these Jesus followers saying, well, where's this new kingdom of God? Where's this new thing that's been promised along the way? Why isn't it happening anymore? And there's a sense of failure within the story. There's injustice. Jesus was innocent. He died a death he didn't deserve. There's suffering. Jesus on a cross, it was not a death designed to be quick. It was a death that was designed to make them endure pain. And finally, there's heartbreak within the story of Jesus. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, two things have happened. One is the suffering that's happened because he has been abandoned by God. One of the, the, um, the in the beginning uh, song that was up there, it says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It talks about, my God, my God, why am I alone? Why am I here without you? Why aren't you hearing me right now? But there's another piece of heartbreak in there that we don't think about. As Jesus is up there on the cross and as he's finally breathing his last breath, he is looking down on what remains of his followers. And one of the people that is down there on the ground witnessing his death is his mum. And Jesus is watching this woman as he himself is passing. He's watching his mum, no sense of agency, no ability to respond, suffering heartbreak as her son dies on the cross. 
So if this is the story of Good Friday, the question is, what is so good about it? It's tragic. What we find within this story and what gets reframed for us is that this tragic story was actually a divinely orchestrated event that led to something good. Or to phrase it differently, this event, which from the outset has every marker of being a tragedy, was actually used by God for an incredible act of love that would not only shape that world then and there, but would shape every generation and every nation across the world. It was a story which will celebrate on Sunday, but it's a story about how death is not the final destination. This is good news and that it needs to be shared. Jesus' victory on Good Friday is because of what he did in defeating death. We now have a new way of defining what good actually is. We get to have a new definition of good. We get to redefine good for everybody. Because in the, human, in the face of human fears of death, betrayal, failure, injustice, suffering and heartbreak, Jesus chose to willingly go to the cross in the face of all of that and give up his life. If we think about how we enjoy culture these days, what are the things that make up a good movie or a good TV series? It's when someone has the odds stacked against them and they go and they choose self-sacrifice. What captures our hearts in the news and the stories that make us share online in social media, what makes us go, wow, that's incredible, is when someone chooses to put themselves second so that others can go first. And we get that within the story of Jesus. And I think the reason that as a culture we value that so much is because Jesus showed us what true love actually looks like. In John 15, 13, John's record, uh, Jesus is recorded as saying, greater love has no one than this, then to lay down one's life for one's friends. And it's interesting. Jesus could have said that, and he said that before he went to the cross. Jesus could have just said, hey guys, it's really good if you lay down your life for somebody else. He could have just said it, and everyone would have been like, that sounds great. But he didn't just say it. He said, that's what love looks like. And then what did he do? He went and laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the price of separation from God that was due to us and he now invites us to be part of God's kingdom, not just in the future, but today. We can follow Jesus today. It's not like Jesus is someone that you follow and it's a ticket to the next life. That's not what Jesus was fully on about. He was saying, not only is your future secured in God, but now how we live, how we act, what we believe, how we live out this life we have on earth, we can do something to participate in God's kingdom here and now, which is exciting. It gives us meaning. It gives us something to do in this life, which is more meaning than just living for ourselves. And what makes this story really amazing to me is that at any point, Jesus could have stopped the show. Like, you think about this for a second. Okay, if Jesus is the Son of God, if Jesus did create the whole world, he knew what was coming. He knew death, betrayal, failure, injustice, suffering, heartbreak. And he could have, at any point that Jesus wished, he could have pulled the God card. Right? If I was there and I was looking at what was coming ahead and I saw, pooh, that's the list coming at me, I would be pretty tempted to pull the no thank you, the next please, the someone else, not me card. So at any point, Jesus could have just said, I'm out. At any point, he could have said, this is too difficult. But he didn't do that. And why didn't he do that? In Hebrews 12, it's recorded as, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. For you and for me, we are his joy that he went, I'm willing to go up against all of this because I love you. 
And knowing everything about us, knowing our highs and our lows, he knew our faults, our flaws, our everything. Knowing our capacity for living in opposition to God, Jesus still chose us. Like, isn't that amazing? Knowing who we are, knowing our disposition to be us first, others and God second, he still looked at that and went, you're worth it. You're worth it. And Jesus looked down that path of death, betrayal, failure, injustice, suffering and heartbreak and he said, I'm going to do something for you that is so good, you're going to speak about it for all time. And he redefined good as the willingness to sacrifice for others. Not because you're perfect and great and amazing, but because that's what God decided to do through Jesus on your behalf. Jesus never asks us to walk to a place where he hasn't been before. And in the cross, we have God's ultimate, I love you, in the death of Jesus. And so when we live our lives, this new redefined love as sacrifice for other people is actually tied to what Jesus did. So at any point where we're trying to figure out what we need to be doing in our lives, how we should be treating other people, how we should be living out our life, there's not some theoretical question as to would God want me to live a certain way. We can look at Jesus and say, this is exactly how God wants us to live. Others first, us second, God at the center. Jesus isn't asking us to do something he wouldn't willingly do. The Apostle Paul um, gives us something to do uh, with how do we respond to this. All right, that's great. Jesus died. Yeah, that's awesome. But what, what are we meant to do in the meantime? And this is what he said to us. In Romans 12, he said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, so I urge you, everybody who follows Jesus, that in view of God's mercy... In view of the fact that God loves you, has redeemed you, has come beside you, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is true and proper worship. So this is the proper way that we're to honour what Jesus has done for us. We can't ever repay it. Jesus did something for us that we are never able to pay back. That's what makes sacrifice such a big deal. When we sacrifice for other people, we can't sacrifice for them and go, here's the invoice. We can't sacrifice for others and go, well, now I'm going to take my payment. That's self-centeredness and that's manipulation. When it's genuine self-sacrifice, it's something that someone else cannot repay. So we can't repay Jesus for what he's done, but we can choose to honor it. But sometimes things get in the way of us wanting to honor Jesus. Because we look at the story of Jesus, we look at the way that he lived, we look at how he did what he did, and we see his death on the cross and we go, that sounds amazing, that sounds incredible. And then we can get a little bit stuck sometimes. And we don't know how to respond. And some things can actually get in the way. Jesus said um, one time that if anyone comes to him, that they have to deny themselves. They have to take up their cross and follow him. Because whoever wants to save their own life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So denying ourselves and picking up our cross is an invitation to be part of the good life that Jesus has called us to here and now. A life that defines good as sacrifice extended to other people. Because that's what Jesus did for us. So if you're here this morning, and this is part of your routine, this is part of your way that you live. Being here in the room is just another thing on the calendar that you do because you follow Jesus and you want to celebrate Jesus. Then for you and for me, who are followers of Jesus. If you're someone here, you're on the fence, you're not quite sure where you sit, I'll get to you in a second. But if you're someone who follows Jesus, there's a couple of things we need to be aware of and how we respond to him because there's things that get in the way. 
It's great to hear about the sacrifice of Jesus. It's great to hear that he loves us. Then we go about our day-to-day living and it gets blocked. We're unable to extend love well. Things don't work the way they're meant to. And there's a couple of reasons that might be the case. Maybe in your life, one of the things that's stopping you from really being able to extend the love that Christ has extended to you as a follower of Jesus, one of the things that might actually be stopping you from being able to extend it is self-preservation. Because I'll be honest, when we look down the path of death, betrayal, failure, injustice, suffering and heartbreak, it's really easy to look at the inconvenience of living for other people and living with Jesus at the centre. It's easy just to go, no thank you, that sounds difficult. Because if we're genuinely going to be people who follow Jesus, it means we're going to follow him into places that are inconvenient, right? And sometimes we go, self-preservation, don't want that, thank you. I want to live the Australian dream. I just want to earn my money, retire well, have my relationships, get myself a quad bike, go out bush, go camping. Woo! I don't know, whatever your version of the Australian dream is. <laughs> and then we hear this message from Jesus, laying down your life is how you show, oh, okay, okay. as long as it doesn't impact my life. Jesus is like, mm, it's going to impact your life. Um, so sometimes it's self-preservation sometimes it's just selfishness we look at the cost of self-sacrificial love and we go it's just not fun being second like it's nice when you walk into a birthday party that's been organised for you and everyone celebrates you and you're the centre of attention that's really lovely when um, well for some of you introverts maybe your version of that looks a little different but sometimes we're just selfish. Oh, I don't really want to put other people first because it's going to muck up my calendar. It's going to muck up my finances. It's going to muck up my ideal of how I wanted this day, this event, this relationship to go. Or maybe for some of us, unfortunately, and we talked about this a little while ago, maybe it's self-righteousness. Maybe we just look at how other people live and we go, I'm not going to sacrifice for them. Have you seen how they live? Have you seen how they use their money? Have you seen how they abuse their relationships? Have you seen what they do? No, thank you. I'm willing to sacrifice my life. I'm willing to give up a part of myself for these people because they're nice and easy and they're going to reciprocate. But that person over there, no, thank you. Maybe we get a little bit self-righteous sometimes and, and that's just not good. What I'm thankful for is that Jesus had all of these options. He could have gone for self-preservation. He could have gone for selfishness. He could have gone for self-righteousness. If anyone had the right to look at how other people lived and went, you are living wrong, who would it be? Jesus. Literally the judge of what is right and what is wrong. And that's not what he did. So if you're someone this morning and you're on the fence, or maybe you're someone this morning and you've started to find your faith has started to slip, then the message that I want you to hear in this space is that Jesus loves you, that he sees you, and that he invites you to follow him. I believe that there's two ways that we come to God. All right? There's two parts of, of being in a relationship with God. And sometimes we sort of merge them together, but there's two parts that generally happen when it comes to following him. There's the follow phase, the, the wow, Jesus is interesting. I'm curious about who he is and what he said. That's what Alpha's for. That's what those conversations with family members or co-workers are about. Hmm, this sounds like someone worth investigating. And I want to invite you that if you're in the space of investigating that, then keep asking questions. Stay curious. Don't be afraid to ask murky questions to your Christian friends. As I've said before, sometimes people who follow Jesus for a long time don't like the difficult questions. Ask the difficult questions. But then there comes another point where you're not just following because you're curious anymore, but you start to realize, hang on, I actually believe that he's the Son of God and that he's Lord of my life. I believe that if you hang around Jesus long enough, that you will see that he is someone who should be Lord over your life. 
I believe that being in community either here or within another church context or whatever context it is where you're able to discuss faith and unpack faith, I think is a healthy thing. Because I think the more time you spend with Jesus, the more chance you have of seeing that he really does see you. He really does love you. He gave up his life for you. And as a church, that's a big responsibility to represent that. And when we have failed in the past, we are sorry. But don't give up on looking for Jesus because of how people representing him have done a poor job. For us, that's something we need to step more into self-sacrificial love. But if you're someone who's on the fence, who's looking at following, I believe that if you hang out with Jesus long enough, you'll see he loves you, he sees you, he wants to be part of your life. So what's so good about Friday? Your heavenly father said, I loved you. He didn't say it audibly. He didn't say it in the Bible through a friend, but he said it with Jesus' body on a cross. So the good would be redefined. Good is when we love others as God through Christ has loved us even if it means laying down our life. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that he is. Thank you that we're able to follow you today. We're able to have a relationship with you today. And I really do pray, God, that as we journey towards you, as we read the word, as we hang out in certain spaces where we can have faith discussions, as we enjoy nature, as we enjoy exploring what faith looks like to us, that we discover who you really are, that we don't get sidetracked with side missions, that we don't become selfish, self-righteousness, or go for self-preservation, but that we follow in your footsteps, willing to lay down our lives, willing to show that good is redefined as others first, me second. Amen.